Welcome to the New Work Revolution podcast on NewWorkRevolution.com. Take your business leadership to the next level and join the revolution. Here's your host, Brandon Allen. All right, so welcome to the New Work Revolution podcast. This is Brandon Allen, and I'm excited to be bringing you another business podcast this week. And as we're starting a new year, I want to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart, and that specific topic is how can we be more unreasonable in our business this year? And that sounds a little weird sometimes when I talk to people about being unreasonable, but one thing that I notice, and I have the pleasure of working in different industries with the coaching work that I do, is that I notice that it's easy to fall into the status quo, right? This is what everyone does. This is how it's always been done. If I don't do it this way, I'm going to look stupid. If I step out on a limb and do something different, I'm going to look crazy and it may not work and then I'll look like a fool. And so we conform to what the masses do. And that's really dangerous in business. When we conform to the masses, What we basically say is there's really nothing different or unique about what we do. We just try to do what we do as best we can that kind of conforms with what our industry has told us that we should do. I want you to fight that in 2014 and beyond, and I want you to think about ways that you can be an unreasonable business owner. One of my greatest examples of this, and if you haven't checked out my Total Experience Design ebook. Um, I talk a lot about this company in that ebook, and there's a couple of examples that come to mind. Uh, the first one is Zane Cycles. So I read the book Reinvent the Wheel by Chris Zane, and Chris Zane runs a bike shop in, uh, I believe it's Massachusetts or somewhere in the New England area. And Chris decided that he was going to have an unreasonable business, and he did that by having things like a coffee bar inside of his bike shop. Things that other bike shops would nickel and dime a customer for, he started to give away for free. Things like ball bearings, just little accessories that go with the bike that are needed to repair the bike. So he really went out on a limb and just said, look, I'm going to do things that just seem unreasonable. And his competitors were like, that's stupid. That's never going to work. Why are you doing that? You're making us look bad. All these different things came up for Chris and all the opposition that he had. But the reality is is that by being unreasonable, Chris is able to make Zane Cycles a business that competes in a landscape where you would think that, hey, it's pretty hard to compete for the average bike user's uh, attention in this day and age. You've got Walmart, Target, all these different big box stores that sell bicycles. It's not easy for an independent bike owner to really create a niche and get a foothold in that particular industry. But by doing some different things and being unreasonable, Chris was able to say, hey, look, our business is different. Another unreasonable thing that he did, and this is something that I like to hear as a father of four young daughters, is uh, he has a bike exchange program. So when your kid outgrows a bike, they can exchange their bike for another bike for free. That's pretty amazing. And that is something where if you talk to the average bike shop owner and and suggested that to them, they would tell you that is unreasonable and probably, quite frankly, they would tell you it's insane. Another unreasonable business is Zappos. 
And Zappos, uh, the CEO of Zappos, his name is Tony Shea. Zappos is a shoe retailer, and they're an online shoe re- retailer. And they uh, they have a really uh, unreasonable exchange policy where people can exchange shoes. Uh, their customer service is second to none. In fact, their customer service was so unreasonable. And if I, I've told the story many times. Uh, a group of friends were, were hanging out with Tony Shea one day. And they said, hey, you know what? I'm going to call Zappos, and I'm going to order a pizza. And Tony was like, hey, go for it. So they called Zappos, ordered a pizza, and literally, without batting an eye, the customer service rep was like, cool, all right, let's do this. And they took him through and connected him to a pizza place. They ordered a pizza, and you know the rest is history. If you saw your employee ordering a pizza for a customer, patient, client in your business, what would you do? you may very well just freak out and be like, what the hell are you doing, right? That's an unreasonable business. So I want to talk about some things that aren't that crazy. What I'm going to talk about today are things that shouldn't be unreasonable, but my goodness, they are unreasonable when we think about what goes on in the average business today. And everyone who's listening to this, okay, New Work Revolution, We don't want to be average, right? We want to start a revolution of being different, not accepting the status quo, pushing our business to different levels, whatever that level is for you. So we don't want to be the average business. So the first thing that I want to talk about that seems like it shouldn't be unreasonable, but it is unreasonable, is treating your team like a million bucks. And this is one of those things where Even though we want to treat our team good, I think, in a lot of ways, we don't really try that hard sometimes as business owners to do that. And what does that look like? It looks like, you know, when we we neglect this, what does it look like? It looks like not training your team, not doing performance evaluations or informing them of their progress or how they're doing, not giving them raises when their performance warrants it, um, hassling them about time off. All these different things kind of go into what happens when we don't treat our team like a million bucks. And think about this for your business. To be unreasonable, what if you decided that your employees were the very best relationship for your business? And when I talk about my 10 points in my manifesto of experience design, first we design the experience for the internal culture. Because my experience has shown when there's something wrong with the internal culture, there's there's nothing that you can do about the external experience. Your end user, whoever that is, is going to be affected by the fact that there's something broken in the internal culture. There's just no way around that. So my experience starts internally. I want to treat my employees like a million bucks. I want to know that I'm supporting them. I've got their back. I'm about developing them giving them a place of fulfillment, and really getting them to a space where they really enjoy and love what they do. And I think it's very reasonable to create that kind of environment regardless of the type of work that your employee does. And I think that's sometimes what holds us back a little bit. We have, you know, I I work with a lot of doctors, and so in, in a doctor's office, and I don't care what kind of medicine that you practice, and I work with doctors that work in in several different areas of, of medicine, whether it be podiatry, uh, chiropractic, dentistry, uh, physical therapy, you know, a lot of those different areas. 
if you look at there, I think there's an attitude behind the, the people that work at the front desk as, you know what, this is just a shit job. It's just a shit job, and I'm going to get someone in there, I'm going to pay them 10 bucks an hour, and I'm going to hope it works out. I'm just going to hope that it works out. And And typically what we do, what this looks like is we settle for people who you know, probably aren't quite qualified to be in that type of a place. And what am I talking about? For instance, I I mean, I know a lot of practices that I work with that hire really young people at the front desk, at their front desk. So they have like an 18, 19, 20, 21 year old. Sometimes I've even heard of a high school kid working in your front desk. Well, what's the problem with that? The problem is, is we get what we get and and when we when we hire someone that's that young there's a lot of immaturity that immaturity that comes along with that and i think about myself at that age and i think about how i behaved things that i did and i think do i really want to replicate that inside of my own business now i know you can't discriminate based on age but what i'm saying is is you've got to really dictate and fi- figure out where someone's level of maturity is and where they're at. I mean, look, I'm all about hiring an 18 or 19-year-old if they have kids. And, you know, we hear this a lot like, hey, you know, single parents, they're this and that. But I'll tell you what a single parent has to do or, or a young parent for that matter, even if they're married. You know what they have to do when they have kids? They have to grow up. Because now you realize that, man, your life is not just about you. It's about someone else, right? So who do we put in these types of positions? You know, we, we put someone in there that maybe isn't even equipped to be there, but sometimes we look at the position as if it's not even a valuable position. Like, you feel like, gosh, I'm just fortunate if I can get a decent person in this role to even do it. But here's the problem. That role's a big deal. These people have are like the front lines of your business. And if you treat that with anything less than uh, the utmost care, you're going to get less than favorable results from that position. So when we treat our team like a million bucks, we have to realize that every position is important and we want to fill it with the absolute most qualified person that we can. What does this look like? How do we screen for that in an advertisement? One of the things that you could do if you want someone who's got a little bit of experience and, and a little bit of work under their belt is just say, look, I'm looking for an experienced front desk person. I want someone who's experienced. What does experience tell me? Uh, It's kind of behind the scenes. It says, hey, I'm looking for someone who's a little older. I'm looking for someone who's been there and done that, been around the block a couple of times, so we don't have to reinvent, like, how do you work? How does that that happen? How do I be responsible? How do I be on time? I don't want to have to waste time teaching someone that. Uh, in a position that that's that important. Now, if I have some other sort of menial position beyond that, that uh, where they're not in touch with customers or things like that, then you know I may start someone off with very little experience in a role like that, where I know that they're not going to ruin the experience of my end user. But treating your team like a million bucks is 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 really about you know how we train, how we evaluate, how how we talk to those. How do we talk to the people that work for us? How do we create fun within our business, right? I've talked about that before in a podcast. How do we create a little fun? Fun's important. 
people spend a lot of time at work. I want them to enjoy the environment, not because I don't want to make it challenging and I want it to be so people screw around all the time, but I want it to be fun in, in that it's challenging and it's it's fun in different ways. It's not fun in like, hey, I sat in front of the TV and, and watched a funny show or, um, you know, hey, I played quarters with my friends, whatever. I, that's not the kind of fun I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of fun that comes from working on something rewarding, achieving that, working together as a team and, and having fun along the way and feeling fulfilled as a result of what we've accomplished and what we have done. So think about this for this year. How can you be more unreasonable and treat your team like a million bucks? This is one of those things where um, I, you know, I talk to a lot of doctors about hiring other doctors for their practice. And one of the questions they ask is, gosh, isn't it hard to train a new doctor isn't there a lot of work that goes into that? And I can't lie to them. Yeah, absolutely, it's a lot of work. But it's a pretty damn important position too. And we want to make sure we create the time and space to really train and cultivate them. Because what I've noticed in certain industries is people have a mentality about developing people. And there's still this uh, this kind of what I call an Ike Turner mentality, that abusive mentality where it's like, hey, I want to hold you down. It's like that abusive relationship where you work for a boss who's like, oh, you're not pretty. Uh, no one's ever going to love you like I love you. Um, you know, you're, you've only got this job because you work here. You know, those types of things that you hear terrible bosses say, and if that's you, I'm sorry. But you, you hear this all the time. But the reality is, is let's be unreasonable and let's say, hey, let's, let's help people work towards their goals even if that goal means that they are leaving our business at some point in time in the future. What would that look like? What would it be if we created such a great culture and such a supportive environment that we helped people take their next step even if their next step wasn't in our business? That's being unreasonable. And that's treating your team like a million bucks. So think about what you could do differently to really create that kind of environment where people grow, they thrive, they love what they do, and they're loyal to you and what you do in your business. Here's the second thing on being unreasonable. And this is get clear on the big picture of what it is that you're trying to accomplish. This is really, this seems like a no-brainer again. Everyone talks about mission, vision, and values. And when I talk with people about this, Generally, I get the same thing like, yeah, 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 I got it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you heard that. Done that. Did that at a seminar 15 years ago. It was awesome. Um, and my question there is like, when was the last time you looked at it? I don't know, 15 years ago when I wrote it and put it in a drawer, right? And, you know, some of this is because for a business owner, you know, the, the, the vision and the mission of the business is really clear in our own minds. We think at least, but we don't communicate that to our team. So no one else knows what that looks like. But the reality is, is that businesses fail. Probably one of the top three reasons why businesses fail is because they lack a clear vision. So your business may not be on the verge of closing, but your business may be struggling if you're listening to this. That, that, that may be a reality for you. And part of that is, is you could be very unclear on what it is that we value, what it is that we want to accomplish as a business, and where are we going? Where do we want to go? Where do we want to take this thing ultimately? And not just for the business, but for you as the business owner, how do you want this business to be a part of your life? How do you want this to affect your own personal life? Because the reality is, is our business is going to affect our personal life in one way or the other. It's either going to impact it in a positive way or it's going to impact it in a negative way. And I'm going to talk about that the fourth way that I want us to be unreasonable here in a few minutes. But 
What is the big picture and are you clear on that? And are you taking time to really think through what that looks like? And then the goal here is to communicate, communicate, communicate. Lauren Wolf in the Leadership Bible said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing this, but he, he said, look, you have to say your message so many times that by the time you're so sick and tired of hearing your own voice say it, and you're so sick and tired of hearing it, that's exactly the time when it's starting to sink in to your people. So get clear on the big picture for this year. Figure out where you're going, where you're, what you value, how you can communicate that, and how those things can show up in your business. Because if you've got a mission statement or a vision statement and values, but they don't live in your business, they're, what good are they? They're meaningless. But I'm still surprised at how many business owners, uh, they state these things, but they don't live in the business. They, in fact, they, a lot of times they operate in contradiction to what their values are. So if that's you, go back and change that and look at what if I got clearer on the big picture? What would that look like for me and my business? And what would it do for my employees if they understood that at a higher and deeper level? That would be awesome, right? Here's the third area. Figure out who your business is for and only market to those people. What would that look like in your business if you had the courage to finally just define and say, you know what, here's who our business is for. Here's who it's not for. This is what it, this is, and here's what we're for, here's what we're against. A lot of times we're really worried about talking about what we're against. But what I want to do is I want people who really resonate with, with what it is that we do, and my message is going to be that message. Right. I loved, uh, you know, I saw an advertisement for smart car last year or maybe it was 2012, but smart car talked about uh, what a smart car owner looks like and what a dumb car owner looks like. And basically what they were talking about is a dumb car owner was someone who drove a Hummer. Now, if that's you, I'm not saying I'm for I'm for or against Hummers or for or against smart cars, but they knew their audience and they said, look, a smart car is for someone who's uh, environmentally minded. They're, they're conscious of utilizing resources in a specific way. And, you know, they don't want a huge car that gets 10 miles to the gallon. And this was an ad that they wrote, but they were very specific on, look, here's who we're for and here's who we're against. And if, if that's you, you know what? If you want a Hummer, don't step your foot on our lot. We're not for you. Our car is not for you. And think about your own product or service. Who are you for? Who are you not for? And start creating that message for those people that, look, if you resonate with this, that's great. But here's the problem. We all know this in our head. So why, why am I even talking about this? We know it in our head. We intellectualize that this makes sense. But we're scared to death to alienate any group of people. We so bad want, at the core of our being, for our service and our business to be for everyone. And the fact that someone could reject us or not resonate with our message is absolutely terrifying. So we create messages that are for everyone. And then we get a real mixed bag of people, some people that we like to work with, some people that we don't. And then the people that we don't like to work with, we just agonize every time that they're that we have to work with them. Because they're just really not the kind of people that we want to work with. And they bring up issues and they complain about things that the right type of client wouldn't complain about or even care about for that matter. And so take a stand on what you're for and what you're against. Create that in your messaging 
And don't be afraid to be for a certain type of person in your business and create your marketing around who that person is. That's okay, and that's going to help you be an unreasonable business that's just for a certain type of person. Here's the last thing, and hopefully this resonates you with you in 2014, is I want you to be an unreasonable business owner by not working so damn much. That's the last thing I want to talk about because one of the things that I realize with business is that sometimes it can be a catch-22. The more busy we get, the more we realize that uh, the, the, the more that business starts to creep into our personal lives and starts to erode some of the things that we like to do personally. Some of these things could be just basically spending time with your family in the evenings, tucking your kids in, going on vacation, getting to their games, getting to their recitals, um, helping them with their homework, helping your spouse with dinner. Whatever those things are, those things seem to go away the more busy we get. And the reasonable business owner says, you know what? That's just how life is. When you get busy in your business, you just work in it a lot. That's just reasonable, right? That's the common thought process of most business owners. Hey, that's just how it goes. You get busy in your business, and that's what you do. You just you, you become a slave to it. It's fine. But the problem is, is it's not okay. That's not why you created a business and an unreasonable business owner will create their business in an unreasonable way and the unreasonable way is to say, you know what, my business is a tool to serve my personal life and that's what it's for. So I'm going to make sure that however I create my business is going to be a way that allows me the personal life outside of my business, understanding that there are five tracks of wealth, okay, and those five tracks of wealth are financial, mental, physical, social, and spiritual, okay? What are the, and, and I need to make sure that I'm spending the time in each of those tracks that I want to spend the time in. Now, for some people, uh, their social may not be as big of an emphasis as their spiritual, or their spiritual may not be as big of an emphasis as their financial, and so on and so forth. But I want to make sure I'm spending the right amount of time in the areas that matter to me. And if you haven't done this, one of the things that I do, uh, that we do as an exercise within a company that I, uh, that I contract with, Freedom Fast Track, is one of the things they do that I think is so powerful that people kind of overlook this, is they go through the five tracks of wealth and they really help people design what do they want their, their ideal life to look like? How do they want to behave in each of these tracks of wealth? And then they create that. Well, why is that so important? Because if we don't create what we would do with the time that we're not spending working, we're not going to find the time to not work, right? I mean, it's really that simple. What is our why? Why do we want to spend time outside of the office? Find out what that is so that you can then go ahead and do that. But if you don't do that, there's no inspiration outside of working. So it's we'll just keep working. That's just what we'll do. But I don't want people to work so damn much. I want business owners to create a business that allows them the freedom to do the things that they want to do. I want them to take a vacation for two weeks and make money. I want them to leave the office and have the office do just as well outside of the office, if not better, as when they're in the office. I want them to be able to work a lot on their business versus working in it. You know, all these different things that I want a business owner to do that just seems unreasonable. When I say, you know, and when I work with a with a professional business owner who knows who who knows a specific trade and they've learned a specific trade or skill, they have a hard time wrapping their mind around the fact that they can create value for their business even if they're not doing the trade or skill that they've been educated in. 
They can still create value for their business in other ways. Does that mean I want you to stop doing your trader skill that you love to do? No, I still want you to do it. But I also want you to remember that there's other ways to create value for your business. And the more you can do that, it actually makes your enjoyment level of that business overall way better. How many times do I talk to a professional business owner and they're burnt out because they're just, they're, they're in it, they're in the grind day in and day out and they get no relief from that. So think about this. What can you do to not work so damn much? And I always hear this like I can't. I can't take the lifestyle hit. I can't afford it. Blah, you know, wow, wow. You know, all these things that come up. Well, forget that. Be committed to your results versus your reasons for 2014. Figure out what it would look like to not work so damn much so that you can enjoy what you do today. And is it possible? It absolutely is. I coach people on how to do that all the time. And a lot of times they think, gosh, Brandon, do you have some secret strategy or or technique that gets them out of the office and gets them to enjoy their life? And I'd like to tell you that I do. And you know, in some ways I've got some tools and things that I help people to really manage their business more efficiently. So I don't want to completely discount the work that I do. But you know what the main thing is that I do that helps people take the next step outside of their business and enjoy their personal life more? It's permission. It's permission. It's me saying, you know what? It's okay to enjoy your life and it's okay if you work less. Most of us just need someone else to look at us and say, you know what, man, it's okay. Do it. In fact, I'm going to make you do it. By the time we talk next, I want to see X, Y, and Z, right? They, they want permission and they want some accountability. They want someone to hold their feet to the fire and say, hey, you said you wanted this. Let's make it happen, right? So don't work so damn much this year, okay? Does that sound good? That sounds reasonable, but it's unreasonable because most people take the role of working a ton. They equate business ownership with 70 to 80 hour work weeks and working on things at home and everything else. I would not accept that. If you're doing that, if you're taking work home, all these different things, if your business is interfering with your personal life, I would look at how do I stop this right now? How do I make it stop? How do I commit myself to doing things outside of my fam- outside of my business with my family, for my family and for myself? Okay, so be unreasonable this year. Who wants to be unreasonable? I'm excited to work with you to help you be an unreasonable business this year. I'm excited to have my own unreasonable business this year. And listen, I want you to treat your team like a million bucks. I want you to get clear on the big picture and communicate. I want you to figure out who your business is for and then market for that person. And I want you to stop working so damn much in your business. If you do those four things this year, you're not only going to have an unreasonable business this year, but you're going to have a successful business as well. So I want to thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you've got any comments, leave those comments on the blog. If you want to share this, if it resonated with you, please share this with people that you know. The more you share, uh, the more influence I can have on people uh, that you care about, that you know and like. And I would love uh, and be honored if you would do that. So again, thank you for listening. This is the New Work Revolution podcast here on newworkrevolution.com. This is Brandon Allen. I will talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to the New Work Revolution podcast on newworkrevolution.com. Until next time, take your business leadership to the next level and join the revolution.